Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And we are your home for Formula One racing this side of the pond. And uh, Ryan, we get a quick turnaround this week, back-to-back races, and we are in Barcelona. Barcelona. So, home race for two of our drivers on the grid, and I think it might be an interesting one, given that we're still seeing some of these... um, Upgrades that we're seeing for different teams getting rolled out uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, and we're already seeing some for Spain. Yep. Uh, you know, the Mercedes will finally get a chance to stretch its legs and really get a good gauge on whether or not the upgrades they brought to Monaco are, are really starting to turn around the fortunes of the team. And we see Ferrari unveil uh, side pods similar to that of what we've seen Mercedes do, also mimicking what they do at Red Bull. Right, and and there was also a report saying that Red Bull expected to unveil something uh, different, which I think would be absolutely hilarious if they came out there and just took away their side pods just to screw with everyone else. You guys are on side pods. That was so last year. <laughs> so last year. we, You know, we decided we're just going to go zero side pods also just to prove that we can beat you with however our car looks. Send us a, ra- a wacky racer mobile, and we're going to still beat you by 20 seconds. Yeah. I I see that there's ponderance of whether or not Red Bull can win every race this season. I, I think Max didn't think it was necessarily going to be all by him. At least he didn't say it. But uh, I hope not. You know, I mean, uh, I, I hope I don't see that. I hope some of these upgrades that we're seeing is going to give us a tad more... Uh, competitiveness near the top with some of these teams and uh, maybe a tad of luck too, but that we'll see some different race winners in the next parts of the, of the schedule. Yeah. I mean, I, we also have to take in consideration the, you know, wind tunnel and CFD uh, allotment for the teams further down the grid. Obviously they will have more than what Red Bull will have. Uh, That takes a little bit longer to go into effect. Um, but also Red Bull has a minor, if not insignificant penalty towards that as well. So they're extra hampered, but, uh, we should start to see some teams making their way towards the front as Red Bull has less of an opportunity to make the same kind of leaps. Right. And, you know, we've seen some talks about whether or not Red Bull's too good and whether Red Bull has taken advantage to get this good. But, you know, we've seen no less of a person than Gunther, uh, uh, not Gunther Steiner, but uh, Toto, Toto Wolf say that, um, hey, I don't want anyone tempering that. that. We don't want that. That's not the way, that's not the pathway to competitiveness. We all need to step up our game. So, you know, um, I think other teams, and I don't. I, maybe it was a Freudian slip to say it was Gunther, uh, but maybe other teams are like, "Hey, rein them in." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it, you know, I last year there was obviously a mid-season directive, a technical directive, towards adjusting the ride height on cars because of the porpoising issue we saw, the bouncing up and down, especially on the straights, uh, because this. Uh, era of cars that use ground effect downforce generating cars as opposed to 
the 2021 and earlier cars that used overbody downforce as its main concept. Uh, raising the cars gave other teams a chance to compete a little bit more. The Red Bull, who had completely nailed the new technical specifications. So that already happened last year. Didn't really seem to affect Red Bull this year. But also in 2021, there was a change before the season where the floorboards towards the rear of the car had cutbacks in them. So from 2020 to 2021, there was less floorboard to generate downforce. And initially, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And what ended up happening is it was a huge boost to what we called high rake cars, so cars that had a higher rear end to low end like ratio, like Red Bull had, because they, they ran like high in the back, low in the front, versus Mercedes, who had just a low car concept uh, kind of evenly distributed. That cutback hampered Mercedes and allowed Red Bull to hang with them the entire year. Ultimately, Max won the title, Mercedes won the constructors, but it was close came down to the last race. Um, so back-to-back years, there have been uh, changes to not manufacture a, a battle between teams or to claw back performance, but ultimately that is kind of what happened. No, I mean, it's going to be interesting nonetheless i mean uh we've seen dominance we, we talked about this we've seen dominance right uh, on the track but i don't know it just feels like red bull has just been this unstoppable force and i just don't know if i want to see one team win all the races this year you know well i don't think anybody does unless you're you know wearing a red bull uniform um i don't, I don't even necessarily think uh Red Bull themselves want to see that. I, I feel like they want to certainly win comfortably and feel like they've proven people wrong who've gotten other case the past couple of years. But I, in my mind, if they win every race from here on out, they're going to find themselves in a difficult position going forward where there might be some targeted changes to hamper their ability to race and I don't think they want to make themselves such a big target they want to win that's true but they don't you, you know uh, the the tallest blade of grass is the, always the one that's cut you know I, I think they uh, want to try to avoid that or and uh, this will be a new segment Ryan's <laughs> uh, Pixar analogy of the week you don't want it to be like the end of the Incredibles where Dash is getting allowed to run the race and they're like don't win too good because then they'll know that you're a superhero or you have talent, right? It's like, you can win, but don't win too good, right? Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I. it is what it is. But um, other things, I, I mentioned Gunther uh, this week. Uh, Gunther thinks that we should have professional stewards, obviously coming from a point of personal preference after Hulk got a penalty this past week that he wasn't happy with. Um, what do you think about professional stewards, Steve? Because I know how I think. Uh, I think on one hand it's better than what they have now, but it's not a 
solve all, so to speak. Because, I mean, we, we, we've watched the NBA playoffs. Professional <laughs> refereeing is, is kind of an oxymoron uh, between the major sports that, that we watch, the major sports the world's watch. You know, everyone watches football around the world. And even with VAR, there tends to be the human element getting in the way, making the wrong decision. So I think there's room for improvement. But as long as there's a human element, we're always going to find that interpretation is going to leave things, you know, some some sour taste in people's mouths. Ah, Steve's American Sports Analogy of the Week. We, you're absolutely right, though. Standardization, does, while nice, and I think would be helpful, we're, we're kind of in a no-man's land here with what's going on. I feel like standardization is important for F1, so it's fair. It seems arbitrary now sometimes, um, and we've had plenty of conversations on this cast about the arbitrariness of decisions by by the stewards. But just because it's standardized doesn't always make it better, as Steve just alluded to with uh, NBA, um, NBA especially. You know, uh, I mean, sometimes people downright just post on social media. Oh, look, they put this guy in tonight on the referee crew. The fix is in. That's bad. You don't want to sit there and be like, oh, this steward's calling the race. I guarantee you someone's getting a penalty today. You know, and so I, I don't know if it'll ever get that bad in F1, but I always, but I don't know how you feel, Steve. I think there's always, at some point, they feel like the officials favor certain teams and drivers. Well, I mean, so, that, that was the case whether, for... You know, six years of Mercedes dominance. Not only were they the fastest car, fastest team, people had the idea in their head that every decision went their way. Uh, that they're always going to look out for Lewis. Lewis is always going to get the benefit of a call. Or, man, that is a suspiciously timed safety car, and it really only benefits. Lewis, just because of where he happened to be on the track. I don't know. I feel like in other cases that wouldn't be a safety car, but oh, look who gets to benefit. You know, I, I think that that manifests in people's head that uh, if you're in front or that's that's the narrative you want to come up with that people get a helping hand here and there. But I, there are plenty of things in the sport that are black and white. You know, if you go over the track limits, it's it's a yes or no. Are you in or are you out? Did you speed in the pit lane? You know, it, it's a quantitative thing. Did you line up right in your starting box? That's quantitative. There's very few decisions that have to be made down to interpretation, whether it's uh, dangerous driving or weaving on the straights or did this person push the other person off the track. I think that there's enough in place that the influence of, you know, uh, not marshals, but officials should be minimal. Yeah, I mean, we we see this with all sports, uh, front runner bias, if you will, or people thinking that there's a front runner bias. Um, oh, the Patriots in the NFL 
you know, uh, the, of course the penalty, of course they're allowed to cheat, of course this doesn't happen as much, or of course the, the refs made the plays for them, uh, of course the league wants to see them in the Super Bowl, whatever, right? Sure. Adam um, Silver needs LeBron to make the finals, so he's going to do everything possible. Right, he goes, you know, we talk about this with the NBA, they had a chance to have Lakers-Celtics, and I'm sure that they were like, oh, what a wet dream for them, um, and they end up with Heat Nuggets, and they're like, oh no, right? So again, same thing here, it's like... Uh, you know, Max is now the star. People might think there's a bias towards Red Bull. Um, and I think we already are seeing some of that already. Um, but well, I, I think part, I think the biggest thing was how light their penalty was for breaking the cost cap. You know, I felt like, again, that that's a black and white thing. The cost cap is at this number. Did you go over? Yes, you did. You said that anyone who breaches this is going to get significant penalties to the point of it's a deterrent. And I feel like a fine and you lose some wind tunnel time isn't a deterrent for people. It's going to encourage them to, you know, try try to bend the rules as far as they can because they see what little of consequence it is versus winning a title, getting all that money, having the prestige. It's not you know, worth it for the, the minute punishment that you would receive. And if you know someone other, if some other team did it, they would get punished more. And it it may seem like, well, but, but also you may, I think partially is that's the narrative, but it's also probably fair because the first person to do it is made an example of whatever that is. The second person that does it is an idiot, and they get punished. <laughs> so, you right. know what I mean? Like, it, if somebody else came along and did exactly what they did, they're like, no, you already saw that that's not okay. Now you're going to get punished for being a dummy, too. So uh, sometimes we just, these narratives kind of are self-fulfilling as much as they are, you know, true, right? Yeah, I, I want to I co-opt another Ryan American sports analogy. It's like... When you see someone get a personal foul in the NFL and then you go back and watch the replay, realize, oh, they got cut blocked beforehand and there was just a retaliation and no one ever sees the first penalty. They just see the guy retaliate and that's the 15-yard penalty. Yeah. So here is where we're at, right? I guess it's just one of those issues that I don't know if we'll ever be truly decided. I, you know, Gunther can say what he wants, but uh, don't know if that's the solution. Because I have a feeling, just knowing F1, they could get that tomorrow, and by the end of the season, somebody, and it might very well be Gunther, being like, why the hell did we do this, but not acknowledge that he was the one who called for it. Yep. So let's turn our attention to the race this weekend. And... We did briefly talk about upgrades that people might be bringing. Um, I don't think anybody brought windshield wipers as part of their upgrades. Uh, (laughs) We are looking at another potentially wet race. 45 to 60% chance of rain for the race as it stands right now. uh, Which is very, very unusual for a race in Barcelona. Uh, We haven't had a wet weather Spanish Grand Prix since 1996. Hmm. So we're due, is what you're saying. I mean, uh, we're, we're due. I, I I feel like the last couple of years, with the shifting of climates and the 
uh, instability of weather systems. We're, we're seeing rain at a lot of tracks. We're seeing some unusual weather events. Uh, so, you know, rain in June in typically dry Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, we're due. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how at a track where teams have a ton of information because testing is held there quite often and we've been at this track for 30 plus straight years that rain definitely throws added jeopardy into the mix because they don't have a lot of data on what the track is going to be like wet. Right. Um, so flying blind doesn't make predictions easy, right, Steve? It's no, on, we got so much variables, right? On top of which, uh, they've made changes to the track. The final chicane um, before the last corner has been deleted. So you will have a new layout for the third sector where the drivers will have basically a flat out turn 13 turn 14 down the long front stretch uh the chicane that was there before kind of if you were following close into it kind of separated the cars out a little bit um because of how slow that chicane was so you could be right up somebody's gearbox go through the chicane you lose two tenths and even with a long front stretch with a drs zone can't get close enough to make a pass and that's led to some pretty dull races at spain or you know at, at the spanish grand prix in uh barcelona uh so with this update might be a chance for cars to follow a little bit closely through the last portion of the lap and maybe lead to some more overtakes it also might lead red bull to just have unbelievable pace with such a long time uh you know, on full throttle, so remains to be seen. But uh... I'm hoping with some straight line speed coming from some other teams that maybe that won't be the case, especially with some upgrades. But it does seem that Lewis was excited about the change. Um, so, you know, I think some drivers are relishing the opportunity to try the track with that new configuration. So it seems yeah. to be a positive upgrade. I don't think any of the drivers really like that chicane. So, you know, no, there, there's nothing less likable about a place where you have to drive slow. That you can't make a move on somebody and you can really only lose time if you're you know, following someone. So it's just you get to the end of the lap. It's like, oh, God, I got to go through the chicane again. Like So taking it out, giving the drivers another chance to drive the car on the limit. Because that turn 13 for the first couple laps on heavy fuel probably won't be able to be full out. But as you push the car, the car burns through some fuel and gets lighter towards the end of the race. Should be the car on the limit. So you could see it full throttle for uh, you know 25 to 30 seconds pushing as hard as possible. Which is really what we want to see. Right. So, with all that said we have any good predictions based off of this uh you want a rock paper scissor for who goes first i'll go first okay 
Because <laughs> I just have to tell you, we're not we're not visually looking at each other. It might be rather hard. Um, oh, I thought we were so, going to do the honor system. We could do the honor system. No, uh, no, I'm good going first. Uh, for me, this is going to be a tad Mercedes heavy. So my first is going to be Lewis Podiums in this race. Okay. I'm going to say because of that, Mercedes overtakes second strongly. They're second in the champion or the constructors uh, race by the end of this race. Well, it's easy when they got one driver tied behind their back at Aston Martin. I know. I'm 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 hoping this is not that hard, but it, it does require. You know, Mercedes having a better day than um, Aston Martin, especially with my last one. And I believe Fernando will win this race. Okay. So, two Red Bull cars are in this race, and you think only one of them... Well, I mean, you haven't said explicitly, but out of the three places on the podium, I think the best chance that a Red Bull driver has is... Just getting one on there. Yes. And, and not I, even the top spot. No. And I know that's... I'm on a limb here. I, I, I can't keep picking Red Bull every week. Although I did say I was going to try to reverse curse them. That's but exactly what I you just said like... last week. I'm picking Max to win every <laughs> every time now. So that lasted zero weeks. I mean, we should try this, right? Uh, one of us should try this. Because Max says he's curious about it. Uh we should just pick Red Bull. We should pick one of the Red Bull drivers every week to win and see who comes out at the end. Um, but I I want to be more thoughtful than that. I want to be more spicy than that. So I think we get a home win this week. We get a shoddy performance from Lance Stroll, which allows the Mercedes to overtake them despite uh, a very nice day for Aston Martin. Uh, By shoddy, you so, mean typical. <laughs> yes. So I think I think, you know, uh Lewis and George being in the top five, six, both of them, Lance having a bad day, uh Fernando winning offsets, Mercedes obviously number two passes them um with the very close margin that it is. So yeah, that's kind of the narrative that's happening in my head for all of my predictions to work. Yeah, so they would need two points over Aston Martin to take second place. If you have Fernando winning, that's 25 points. You have Lewis on the podium. If he's third, that's 15. That means Russell would have to finish fourth. It's it's either yeah. you know, Lewis second, Russell third or fourth. Or if Lewis finished third, Russell's going to have to finish fourth in order for them to overtake Aston Martin with Fernando winning, and then Lance would essentially have to get no points. It's bold. And also, there is a fastest lap involved there. You can get an extra point to help out. But I, I'm i trying to be bold. It's, it's a perfect weekend for me. I, I like seeing a home racer win. I don't want Red Bull having a great weekend, and I like <laughs> to see Mercedes have a, a nice uptick with all their new changes at, uh, at this track. Well, speak it Again, into I'm existence. probably going no. to get no points this weekend. <laughs> That's fine. Speak it into existence. 
Um, so my first prediction is I think both Williams will get into Q2. Uh, I think the new layout of the track is set up really well for Williams. They've got a lot of straight line speed. They are typically the fastest car in a straight line. And if you have turns 13 and 14 now going to be flat out, leading to a long uh, front stretch, I think they can easily get into Q2, both of them, probably with Alex Albon getting into Q3. Is that going to help them out in the race? Uh, I don't know. I, I think one of them will get points, but I'll, I'll stay with both Williams and Q2. Um, if there's any race, I think the way this is set out, it, it does set up better for at least the way Williams succeeds, right? Right. I, I think it's going to be here. It's going to be Monza and you know potentially Austria are going to be like their best tracks as it stands right now. I don't know what other upgrades are going to bring to help them out in some lower speed corners, but right now straight line, you know, they're grease lightning. My second prediction is again I'm going to go vague cuz vague's been working for me. I said there will be a Spaniard on the podium. Not going to say who, not going to say where, but there's going to be a Spaniard on the podium. I feel like, in in my mind, Carlos has the better chance this weekend for whatever reason. I know there's zero data throughout the rest of this year to support that. I, I don't know. I just feel like Car, Carlos will make it on the podium in third. I just feel like that's, that's what's going to happen. But a Spaniard on the podium. Uh, finally... My last prediction is kind of based on a dry zero safety car race. So this is like my reverse jinx. But I think we're only going to have five cars on the lead lap when it's all said and done. You know, I think, you know, if it's Red Bull dominance and it's Max and he's winning by 30 seconds, he's lapped 15 cars. Uh, it's not been out of the realm for this race to be kind of uh, you know bottom tier as far as excitement and entertainment uh, I think last year there was only 8 cars on the lead lap other years there's been 5 or 6 but if there's a safety car, if there's rain certainly the field's going to be a lot closer together so I'm going to say only five on the lead lap, hoping I'm getting it very wrong, and we end up having you know, some excitement like this last week at Monaco. Very interesting. It goes, you know, I I say why not. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of narratives in our picks this week that will still get us points, even if it's not exactly how we think it goes. But um, I, I hope that... At least one of us is right. It didn't do us any good last week when we were pretty much both off, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I hope I, one of us has a good day. I didn't go home completely empty-handed. True, but we—I think we combined one point out of six out of six chances last week, and uh, just just not the case. Again, if I if I'm if I don't get any points this week, I will pick Max Verstappen to win every race for the rest of the year is one of my picks. I promise. I'll have no shot. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that does it for this edition for Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcasts. Uh, and we're definitely going to wrap up the Spanish Grand Prix uh, this coming Monday. We'll have the complete wrap-up for you. But right now, it is Game 1 of the NBA Finals tonight with our Miami Heat. So we want to get out of here in Dos Minutos. Dos Minutos. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And we will catch you next time across the line.